number of readings from John. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said to him, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Pilate asked him, so, you're a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? And the word became flesh, and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. A trilogy of books I greatly enjoyed a few years ago now was Philip Pullman's series, His Dark Materials. Famously anti-religious and condemned by certain quarters of the Christian church, I found them to be that rare combination of both thoroughly enjoyable and profoundly thought-provoking I'm very much looking forward to reading the latest sequel, long awaited after 20 years of absence, The Book of Dust, which I opened on my Kindle just this morning for Christmas. In the Philip Pullman world, the church is represented by an establishment known as the Magisterium. It is a powerful and power-hungry organisation that constantly seeks to silence its critics and reassert its monopoly, which, to be fair, is a not unrealistic caricature of what the church can become. In a year when we have been remembering Martin Luther's great critique of the indulgence-selling church of his time we would do well to remember that all stripes of religious conviction have a propensity to succumb to the temptation to power. From the rise of radical nationalistic Islam 
to the fusion of right-wing politics with conservative evangelicalism in North America, to the established church of our own country, we live in a world where religion and power do deals for mutual benefit. In Philip Pullman's novels, the looming authority of the magisterium provides the backdrop for the adventures of the young female protagonist known as Lyra, And on her adventures, she comes into possession of a wonderful object known as the alethiometer, or the golden compass. In a world of lies and untruths, the alethiometer points to the truth, and not always comfortably, as Lyra discovers. It is a device which enables those who know how to read it to access the deep truth of the world which exists beyond the propaganda of the magisterium and its allies. And this idea of deep truth, which cuts through the lies by which people live, is one of several profoundly Christian concepts that Philip Pullman builds into his supposedly atheistic narrative. He could even be echoing John's Gospel which is itself shot through, as we have just heard, with this language of truth. The Greek word for truth, which is used in the Gospel, is the word aletheia. And in fact, this is where Philip Pullman's word aletheometer comes from. It is a device that measures truth. And it's this word aletheia that we meet time and time again in John's Gospel, beginning with our verse for this morning from the prologue to the Gospel. Well, if you've been with us at Bloomsbury for our various services through Advent, you'll know that we've been working our way through the opening verses of the fourth Gospel. And today we conclude with the closest thing John's Gospel gets to a birth narrative. In the fourth gospel, there's no choirs of angels or singing shepherds. There's no wise men or virgin birth. There's no census, no inn, no donkey. Well, there's no donkey in any of them, but there's no cattle lowing. Just this bold and profound statement. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word aletheia, translated here as truth, literally means to stop concealing, to reveal. To see the truth is to see the true nature of things which would otherwise be concealed or falsified or truncated or suppressed. Aletheia reveals the full or the real state of affairs. It is to see things as they really or truly are. And in a world of post-truth fake news, it can be very hard indeed to know what the true or real state of affairs is. Facebook has been in the news recently for their efforts to counter the spread of fake news on their social media platform as they have tried various algorithms to highlight those stories doing the rounds which are simply untrue 
or worse, are malicious or carefully designed to manipulate people into certain views. The recent resurgence of far-right political ideologies in Europe can in part be traced to the spreading of fake news stories about refugees and immigration on platforms such as Twitter or WhatsApp, with President Trump's notorious retweeting of the hateful fake news stories originating from the organisation Britain First shows. How quickly lies and falsehood can take root and spread in our world. And in the midst of all of this, how are we to know truth? What is to be our guide to truth? Well, unfortunately, we don't have Philip Pullman's alethiometer to help us distinguish lies from truth. It's fictional rather than real. There is no perfected spiritual computer algorithm to which we can turn for a calculated answer, no matter how good Facebook might get at trying to discern truth from lies. Rather, says John's Gospel, we hear the truth through the word of the Father spoken in the person of Jesus, mediated to us by the revelation of the Spirit. The truth of all things is made known to us through the life of the one in whom God became flesh. And it is as we hear the stories of Jesus that we're signposted to the truth of the witness he gives. It's like we're invited to read the world through the lens of Jesus, to hold up the ideologies, the beliefs, the actions of those around us and measure them against the words and actions of Jesus. And I worry that all too often Christians just don't do this. All too often we become obsessed with a kind of narrow biblicism where we use the words of the Bible as our yardstick, forgetting that the words of the Bible are simply there to point us to the ultimate word made flesh who lives amongst us and who continues to witness to our spirits by the spirit of truth. Truth, according to John's Gospel, is known by the inner witness of the spirit, whispering the truths of Christ's witness to the depths of our being. And I do understand that in some ways this can seem like a highly unsatisfactory answer because it is so utterly subjective. I do understand that in a world of uncertainty, people long for the certainty of a written guide that will lead them into truth if only they can follow it carefully enough. I really do understand the desire to have access to the written word of God in concrete written form that can be held and read and followed. But that is not what John's Gospel says we have. The Christian Bible is not God's written truth for us to follow, any more than John the Baptist was himself the Messiah. Rather, the Bible testifies to the truth because it points to Jesus, just as John the Baptist testified to Jesus and pointed to him. The law of Moses was the Jewish attempt to capture truth in written form, but Jesus comes to fulfill the law by writing it into our living hearts, into our daily lives, 
not on tablets of stone or on scrolls of parchment. The word of truth, it seems, cannot be contained in stone or book, because the word is alive, it dwells amongst us, speaking truth to our hearts by the spirit of truth, who is active in our lives. And this spirit of truth, the spirit of Jesus, who is God made flesh, brings the truth to birth in our lives, just as Jesus came to birth in Bethlehem in Judea. And here we find ourselves at the heart of Christmas and the enduring significance of the baby in the manger. Jesus came to a world of sin and darkness to unmask the lies and to reveal truth. And he does the same thing in our world today. Letting the spirit of Jesus into our lives is a dangerous thing. Because once we start to listen to the whispers of truth, we start to see the world differently. And once we start to see the world differently, we then have to start living differently. As truth is born in our lives through the witness of Jesus, the lies by which we live and by which we are often comforted are challenged and stripped away. The birth of the word of truth is an uncomfortable thing as any birth should be. New life does not come easily, but it does come whether we're ready or not. So this morning we're gathering to worship the child in the manger, and I wonder if we can hear his cry of truth echoing down the years to us today.